here uh, this morning. We're here last week, and man, what a great weekend we had last week. It is uh, always exciting. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, if you would turn to the, uh, the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, Luke chapter 12 uh, is where we're going to be, and we'll get there in a few minutes. Um, did, did anybody uh, happen to notice that we're here last Sunday that we had kind of a crowd issue last Sunday? Anybody notice that besides me? I'm sitting here watching people. I'm standing up here with the choir and, and I'm, you know, the service has started and I'm watching people that are continuing to come in and I'm watching them. These doors are open back here and I'm watching them continue to come in through those doors and I'm looking and I'm like, we're, we're out of seats. <laughs> And uh, that's a great problem to have. Next year, we will. We already have come up with a, a plan for next year to prevent uh, from happening what happened last week. Unfortunately, we did have some people that left uh, because there, there was nowhere to sit. But, uh, man, we, we were so blessed last week to have over 700 people in our worship services for Easter. Um, we had between 1,500 and 2,000 people at our community egg hunt. Uh, what excites me so much is that we had dozens and dozens and dozens of volunteers, uh, you guys, that made all that happen, uh, right? We can't do it. Our, our staff can't uh, do everything that needs to be done, and so we can't do any of, any of what we do around here without you. So thank you so much to those who have been willing to serve our community and minister here to the fine folks of Greenbrier Nazarene. also want to thank you for inviting people to come. Uh, last week. As I was thinking about it, uh, you know, our, our average weekly attendance is somewhere in, anywhere from 350 or so. Uh, and so last week, if we had over 700 people, that means that over half of the people that came to church last weekend came because of a personal invitation that you extended. And I just think that's incredible that we doubled the size of our congregation in one weekend because you invited people. Uh, to come to church and you know nothing that that we will ever do as a church no marketing campaign no advertising no special music program can replace you simply inviting people to meet jesus nothing we can do can re replace that a every survey that i've ever read about church growth says the vast majority of people that attend a church for the very first time is because someone personally invited them to come and I'm sure that's all of our case. And so I, I just want to thank you uh, for doing a great job. And I want to encourage you to, to keep it up. Uh, we have awesome services other times besides Easter and Christmas. And so uh, I encourage you to invite those people back sometime. Uh, but most important number last week, uh, last weekend is this. We had at least eight people that made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ uh, last weekend. And, and that's really what it's all about. And I was thinking, you know, we've had Easter services before and we've seen, you know, 20 and 30 people accept Christ. And so, you know, I, I looked at, at eight and I was like, hey, man, that really, you know, I was expecting more. But, but I thought, you know what, even if just one, even if just one got saved, it was all worth it. Amen. It was all worth it. And so we celebrate uh, the next two Sundays. We're going to be having this baptistry filled with water. Uh, it's going to be some exciting times. We love to celebrate with people when they get baptized. We'd love to celebrate with you. God's word is very clear when it says repent and be baptized. 
that's the next step after salvation is, is being baptized. So if you've accepted Christ uh, and you've never been baptized, uh, that's your natural next step to take is through baptism. So if God's speaking to your heart uh, about that, come see me or one of our pastors, and uh, we'd love to uh, celebrate that with you in one of the services the, the next two weeks. Had, had a uh, gentleman come see me after the early service uh, this morning and say, you know, I, I've just never been baptized and been in church all his life. And he said, I want to be baptized. So we're baptizing him in the early service next week. And just looking forward to what God's going to be doing in the next two weeks as we celebrate that. Today we're beginning this new series. I introduced to you last week, kind of baited you into it uh, on Easter Sunday. But this series that we're calling, he said, what? And uh, Hunter uh, uh, does all of our, a lot, not all, he does uh, the graphics for my sermon stuff that I do. And and so he showed me that, wanted to know what I thought about it. And Lynette, my wife, she saw it, and she said, that is exactly how I feel every Sunday. <laughs> she said that right there. And so uh, I've changed my sermon notes a little bit from the sermon that I preached this morning at 8.30, just so she won't be hiding her face today. But um, like I shared with you last week, the big idea behind this series is that I believe a lot of people have a misconception about Jesus. Uh, people think that Jesus was this, you know, calm, you know, cool, always had it together, spreading happiness and good karma and making everybody feel good about themselves. And that's the Jesus that, you know, we we tell our kids about before they go to bed at night. And I believe that's the picture a lot of people have of Jesus. But the truth is, Jesus was very polarizing, right? He was a very polarizing figure in our world. People either loved him or they hated him. There was really no middle ground. They, they, they you know, would, would follow him in huge crowds and hang on every word that he spoke. Or they plotted to get rid of him. And they plotted to, to kill him. And anyone today that, that thinks of Jesus as some sentimental or, or boring individual that lived 2,000 years ago, well, I, I would say that that just proves that they've never really encountered and understood the real Jesus that we read about in scriptures. And so this week, the challenging and difficult statement, uh, we're going we're to be looking at some difficult things that Jesus said uh, in scripture. And so right up front, I just want to tell you, I love you. Uh, and, and I hope you love me. And at the end of some of these messages, you may have some doubts about your love for me, but I'm just sharing with you what Jesus said. Okay. So if you got an issue uh, with anything that I say, you take it up with him. All right. And you lose every time, but you can take it up with him. Uh, but anyway, in Luke chapter 12 is where we're going to look at, at the one uh, I want us to see today. Uh, verse 49. It's where we're going to be. Luke 12 verse 49. Jesus said this. He said, I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. He said, but I have a baptism to undergo. And what constraint I am under until it is completed. And here's the statement. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but division. He said, what? Some of you right now are thinking, all right, is that really in the Bible? Because I think he's changed this around, right? No, he really said this. This was something that, that Jesus said and Jesus taught. 
And some of you are sitting, maybe sitting here going, you know, but, but I thought Jesus was all about peace and love and happiness and joy and all this, right? I, I thought, you know, Jesus was the prince of peace. But, but he says in his own words here himself, he said, I, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. And now other translations, maybe some of the translations some of you are looking at this morning, that word instead of division says sword. But most scholars agree that the, the translation that's used here in the NIV, NIV version is what I've got up on the screen this morning. Uh, they agree that the translation of division uh, better suits the, the language and the point that's being made here because Jesus wasn't promoting violence, Okay. Uh, and so when you read it that Jesus came bringing a sword, we kind of think of, you know, a battle, you know, with a sword and being violent or whatever. But that's, you know, what Jesus was talking about here. Instead, he's speaking to the fact about how his message will cause division, about what he spoke and how he lived. And that was what was going to cause division. And he's saying, you know, he's saying it's going to happen. It, it, it just is. He, it, let's go on and see what else he says. Verse 52. He says, from now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They, they'll be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So, so what's he saying here? Is he wanting my, my, my sweet daughter-in-law, Melanie, and, and my wife, Lynette, to fight each other? I mean, is that what he's saying? Because I'll be honest, my, my daughter-in-law, Melanie, take note here. Jesus never said he wanted to see division between father-in-law and daughter-in-law, okay? <laughs> Just to be clear what Jesus is saying, he, it's always the mother-in-law, right? And so, you know, and I, my daughter-in-law is one of my biggest supporters of my Andy's addiction that I have. And so I'd be hard-pressed to pick sides between her and Lynette, just saying. Uh, but anyway, that, that's not what Jesus is saying here at all. Uh, you know, yes, Jesus is going to divide some families because of who he is and what he says. You know why? Because his message and his claims are so absolute that you can't really have compromising attitudes or feelings about what God says uh, in his word. Here, here's the deal, folks. Jesus' words... Is that reading the Bible? What's he reading? What's he, what passage are you reading? That. Oh, that? <laughs> it's a good thing I'm not easily distracted. <laughs> yeah, Will, that is funny. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got all day. I don't know about these other people. <laughs> but Jesus, in, in speaking to the fact that he's going to divide some families, you know, is, is speaking to the fact that his word is the truth, right? And there is no gray area. There's no compromise when it comes to who he is and what he's all about and what he taught. There's no middle ground. 
You know, there's a lot of people that want to find middle ground in what Jesus says. And, and, and so, you know, Jesus is saying, no, that's not the case. It's either it's, it's this way or this way. I'm either Lord or I'm not. You know, there's no middle ground here. And so he knows that's going to create some, some conflict. And that may even very well create some conflict within some families because there's some in the family perhaps that want to compromise what Jesus taught and what Jesus said. Gospel Matthew adds these words to the end of the teaching by Jesus. If you want to make it even a little more divisive than what it was, Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus is talking about this same thing there. He goes on to say, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. I found that interesting, you know, when I read that. The first thing I thought, you know, I hear people all the time say that they're, they're just going to go away and try to find themselves or do something to try to find themselves or whatever. And, and, I, and Jesus said, whoever finds themselves is going to lose himself, right? That's what it means. Whoever finds himself will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake We'll find it. Now, so in summary, what's Jesus saying here? All right. Well, he said that he came not to bring peace but division. He said he's going to end up separating people in a household because of who he is and what he says. And he said, unless you love him more than you love your family, you can't be his disciple. Ouch. That's kind of like a triple-decker controversial statement, wouldn't you say? I mean, three things there that are pretty divisive and pretty, pretty difficult. So let's just dig into it this morning and, and, and let's see what we can draw from this and what we can get from what Jesus is saying here. The first thing is this. Our message as Christians will be divisive. All right? It will be. If everybody's always happy, 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 then we're probably not following Jesus. Um, our message will be divisive. It, uh, you know, some of you know that, and some of you, some of you think of it in a way that Jesus doesn't mean here, uh, because you're rednecks. Uh, you know, some some outside the Christian faith look inside our churches at what you know sometimes so-called followers of Jesus do and how they act, and they go, you know, I totally agree with this fact that Jesus came to bring d division because they can't even get along in their own church, right? They're arguing about the color of carpet. They're arguing about the music and all these things. And so someone on the outside looking in said, yep, I totally get how, why Jesus would say he came to bring division. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, you know, these things do happen. And when they do, it dilutes the message of Jesus that he came and taught and uh, he came and taught and called us to teach. Uh, we're blessed. We don't have uh, any of that, not much. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the people that, that wanted to cause so much division uh, in this church, uh, you know, they left. So it's all good. Um, they're down at the Baptist church today. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. There's good folks down there, just not as good as are here. Um, I'm kidding if you're visiting. Um, but anyway, you know, it's unfortunate that sometimes the world looks at the church and sees a division that Jesus really didn't intend. That's not the kind of division that Jesus is talking about here. The real reason that Jesus said it would cause division is because some people will not accept the truth. There's a lot of people today that are, are only accepting the parts of the Bible that they are comfortable with. Okay? And Jesus knew that would be the case that there would be those who would like to pick and choose. 
uh, and the truth is, you know, Jesus said there's only one way to God. That's through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Hey, that is not negotiable. Amen. All right? It's not negotiable. It's not debatable. It's just a fact. But some people don't like the fact that it's a fact. Right? Some people don't agree with that. They, 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 don't, they don't like it. And so what do they do? They try to change it or they try to make, make it fit to what they believe or what their opinion is of, you know, who's God's children and who's not God's children, whatever. You know, a Christian, a Christian will say, we talked about this some in, in this last series that we did. A Christian should say, you know, he's God, uh, I'm not. And so since he's God and I'm not, I'm going to let him run things. Right? I'm going to let him be in charge. I'm going to let him make the rules uh, because it really doesn't matter. If he's God and I'm not, it really doesn't even matter what my opinion is. You know? If, I, if he's God and I'm not, it, it really doesn't even matter what I think about what he said. It doesn't change it. It's his word, and that's final. Uh, and, and so that's where division comes in. Do you see now how people can, because some of you are kind of already starting to bristle. I see it in your face. I'm far from being done too, so <laughs> buckle up. But, because, you know, that's where the division comes in. Because what does the world say? Where the world says, I think I ought to have a chance to make the rules, right? I, I think I ought to have a say. I think I ought to have an opinion. I, I think I ought to be able to be... Uh, uh, Oh, what's everybody on Facebook now? They're, uh, why is the word? Somebody help me. I'm struggling. Huh? Admin? I don't even know what are you. What? Not only. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's offended. That's what the word I'm looking for. Right? You have a right to be offended. Do you not? No. Jesus says no. And so, you know, everybody wants to have their opinions. Everybody wants to be, to be uh, offended. We, we want to have a say. And, and the world says, you know, uh, the world a lot of times looks at the church. I don't know if y'all know that they're saying this about you or not, but they're saying that you are narrow-minded. <laughs> they are. Some of you are even closed-minded. And that's what the world sometimes looks at the church and thinks, you know, they think that our views are too conservative or our views and, 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 you know, our stance on the Scripture is, is just way too archaic for the world that we're living in today. And as I think about people who look at the church in that perspective, I, I, you know, I think I, I want to be offended because that's our nature. And I want to get on Facebook and do what some of y'all do, but I, I don't. And you shouldn't either. Uh, <laughs> Because is their problem really with us? I don't, I don't think that their problem is really with us. I would argue that their problem is really with Jesus and what he said. Not in, that their problem isn't in how we interpret what he said, because really what Jesus said is pretty clear. Uh, and so I don't really think their problem is with us. I think their problem is more with Jesus. And, and so... Uh, most would pro probably, um, I don't I need to move on. Romans 1 says this, that all of our conflict come from this question. Is God in charge of all our lives, right? Or are we in charge? 
You know, that, that, that's kind of the main thing that we need to struggle with. Is God in charge of all of my life or are we in charge? Does he get to make the rules or do we get to make the rules? But here's what we're up against in our culture today. People don't want to be told how they should live their life. People don't want any authority in their life, right? Uh, and so Jesus' question is simply this through all this, I believe. Am I Lord or not? And, and, and to be Lord means that being Lord of your life means that he lords over your life, every area of your life. And so the question here, uh, I believe that Jesus is trying to get us to is, is he the Lord or not? Because if he is the Lord of your life, he has full and total authority over your life. All right. The second thing is this, what Jesus said, it is difficult. It is difficult. Look again at, at, at uh, Matthew 10, verse 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And, and I, th this is difficult to us for a couple of reasons. The first one, I, I don't think we can avoid. Jesus puts himself right at the center of our faith here. He doesn't say love and obey God. He says love and obey me. All right. Now, this makes Jesus unlike any other religious leader. All right. Imagine if any other religious leader ever said this. Okay, and, and, and in some ways, I'm, I would say I'm kind of like a religious leader to some of you, okay? And, and so let's say, that, imagine that I, I got up here one Sunday and I said, Greenbrier Nazarene, you have to love me and you have to be committed to me more than anything else. And if you don't love me more than your husbands, if you don't love me more than your wives, if you don't love me more than your kids, then you are not worthy of me. And if anyone ever stands up in front of you and says anything that remotely sounds like that, you get up as quickly as you can and you leave, all right? Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You get out of there as fast as you can because I'm going to tell you, the next thing that's going to be happening is they're going to be passing out some Kool-Aid for you to drink, <laughs> all right? Uh, because here's the deal. A religious leader speaking on behalf of God will always deflect the attention from themselves to him. They always will. They will always put him up front and, and higher. Uh, you know, John the Baptist, who Jesus called the greatest prophet that ever lived, he said, God's name must increase and I must decrease. One of the greatest evangelisms that's, uh, evangelists that uh, it lived in the history recently died, Billy Graham. He was always so very careful not to lift up his name, but to always lift up the name of Jesus. But don't miss this. Jesus wasn't a religious leader. All right? That's not who he was. He didn't come to be a religious leader. That's why he talked about himself. He didn't tell people to love and follow God. Instead, he told people to love and follow him. And he told people that unless they loved him more than they loved their own kids, they couldn't follow him. You know, and, which means he's either the worst cult leader ever or he was something different than every other relig religious leader. He was actually God, right? He's actually the object and subject of our faith. And so, yes, this is difficult because Jesus is demanding to be the center of our faith. 
He's demanding to be the center of our affection. But it's also difficult because he's talking about a commitment here that is, is tough. He, he's hitting us at the core. I, I mean, he's talking about here this, this commitment to him that trumps even our most precious worldly relationships that we have. Right? That's the nitty-gritty of what he's getting down to. The most precious relationships that we have in our lives here. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. So let me ask you, I believe it brings us to a question today. Do you love Jesus more than your family? See, it's difficult. He knew it would be difficult. He's trying to get us to ask ourselves the question, do we love him more than we love our family? If we had to choose between him and our family today, what would we choose? Who would we pick? Here's another question that I believe we have to ask ourselves in light of what Jesus is saying here. Are you teaching your kids? Are you teaching your grandkids to obey Jesus more than you? Are you giving them permission? Are you training them? To follow Jesus instead of following you? Now, I, I think that's a question that we could ponder for a very long time today. Are you teaching your kids to obey Jesus more than you? We all want our kids to obey us, right? But are you teaching them to obey Jesus more than they obey you? Or are you more hung up on your kids doing what you say rather than what Jesus says? Lynette and I always tried to teach our boys that the most important thing in their life was to follow God. To do what God would have them to do. You know, more than what we would want them to do. And, you know, I, I always thought that was great. You know, yeah, we need to teach our kids to put God first, follow his plan, be attentive to his voice. And Lynette and I, you know, we're, we're encouraging them through high school and, and we're kind of pushing them and we're nudging them to go to a college in Conway and just out of the blue at the last moment, almost when it was like too late, they both said, no, we feel like we need to go to Fayetteville. And I'm like, that, that is not God's will for your life. <laughs> but they had been trained up to listen to his voice and they got there and that, they, they would both tell you that the time that they spent, you know, a lot of people, oh, they go to U of A, they go to hell, you know. And it's, but, uh, I didn't say that. We have to edit that out of the recording. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. You know, they go off to state school and they just go to pot. And, and uh, my, both of my boys will tell you that the time that they spent there drew them closer to the Lord than, than any other time in their life. Uh, had an opportunity to serve in some incredible capacities at different churches and, and uh, through Celebrate Recovery and just some cool stuff. Uh, that's where one of, uh, one of them... Uh, met uh, my wonderful daughter-in-law that I was talking about earlier. So God's got a plan. We, we need to, are, are we teaching our kids to listen to God or listen to us? Uh, and, and parents, don't miss this because not only is Jesus speaking to you, but, but I want you to listen to what he's saying to your kids. Okay? Listen to what Jesus is saying to your children. He said, I'm telling your kids to love me more than they love you. And I'm telling your kids 
that if I tell them to do something that you don't agree with, I'm telling them to defy you. Is it getting difficult? <laughs> if I tell them to go live in a different part of the world that you don't want them to go to, I'm saying that they need to obey me instead of you. Do you see how difficult this is? Are you teaching your kids to love Jesus more than you? Are you teaching your kids to obey Jesus over you? Where are you directing the priorities in your... I'm back on to, to parents again here, but where are you directing their priorities? And, and, and I, I just say, look at your family schedule. Is it designed to center their lives around Jesus? Or are your lives designed to center around something else? This is critical here. Jesus is making it crystal clear how important this is today. So is, is the design of your family and your schedule, is it made in such a way that Jesus is the center of that? Or do you have something else as the center of that? Because there's no middle ground. There's a lot of people that think there's middle ground. There's a lot of people that think there's gray area. And Jesus called that lukewarm. There, there's no middle ground. And, and so, you know, I don't want to imply here that coming to Jesus gives you some kind of brazen, unloving attitude to have uh, toward your family because the truth is people who put Jesus first in their lives, can I just tell you what those people look like? People who put Jesus first in their lives and everything revolves around him and their relationship with him, they make the best husbands. They make the absolute best wives. They make the absolute best parents and children. Why? Because when we put Jesus first and we're totally focused on him, we're totally obeying him and following him, you know what we're doing? We're doing exactly what he told us to do, and we're loving others before ourselves. We're laying our lives down for someone else, and that always looks beautiful. That always looks good, and, and it works. But for some people, and I'd say many people, their kids and their families, listen to me now, a lot of people today, their families are their idols that are coming before God. I believe that's the heart of what Jesus is speaking about here. You know, and, and, and some of your kids are good things that have become your God things. And so we have to be very careful. And Jesus is saying, I must be first. And that is difficult to do. But it cannot be compromised, according to what Jesus is saying here, it can't be compromised if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. Y'all look so aggravated at me right now. Third and last thing, I'll close. Some of you are offended what I said about the U of A. We're going to get in the left lane and hammer down. No. Hopefully before I die. Third thing this morning is this. What Jesus said should actually be our motivator. Okay? 
This should be what truly motivates us while we're here on this earth, in this world. He says, verse 49, 50 of Luke 12, he said, I've come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. He said, but I have a baptism to undergo and what constraint I am under until it is completed. I want you to think about this. Whenever in scripture you see God send fire, it brought judgment. Okay? Anytime in scripture that you see God bring fire, it brought judgment. And Jesus says, but I have a baptism to undergo first. And it was his own baptism of fire, which Jesus was saying this, I've got to undergo this baptism of fire, this judgment that really we should be receiving. I've got to undergo that first. Think about this. If God's righteous wrath destroys all wickedness, okay, none of us would survive. If his wrath destroys all wickedness, not a single one of us would survive. Scripture says we've all sinned and fallen short, right? So what did Jesus do? Well, he suffered that wrath. You know, we, we talked about it a lot last week and the week before. He, he suffered this wrath in our place. And when he died, there was a darkness that came over this earth. There were earthquakes that took place to show the magnitude of the punishment and the judgment that he was taking up on himself at that point in time for us. Tim Keller, uh, a great preacher, he, he said it like this. He said, Jesus did not come to earth the first time to bring justice. Rather, he came to bear it. He, he came not with a, a sword in his hands, but he came with nails through his hands. Christian teaching for centuries has been this. Jesus died on the cross in our place taking the punishment of our sins that we deserve so that someday he can return to earth to end evil without destroying all of us. You, you want motivation to follow Jesus? That's it right there. And if anyone thinks that, uh, well, you know, that it's a huge sacrifice to follow Jesus, oh, it's so hard to follow Jesus. You know, you, you, if you think it's a great sacrifice to, for you to follow Jesus, you've probably not fully grasped the greatness and the treasure of what Jesus went through for you, right? Uh, you know, think about it. Is there anything in this world that should be more important to you than this? I was lost, but now I'm found. Is there anything in this world that should trump that? I once was lost, but now I'm found. He saved me. And you and I will never give up more for him than he gave up for us. Right? You'll never go farther for him than he went for you. You'll never suffer more for him than he did for you. And sometimes we grumble and mumble and complain about the sacrifices and the struggle it is to be a follower of Jesus. Give me a break, right? I do it too. I'm preaching to myself, okay? But we don't know what it means to sacrifice. 
We don't know what it means to, to sacrifice, to follow him. We've got brothers and sisters in Christ and other parts of the world this morning that are living in fear of having their throats slit because they call themselves Christian. And we've sacrificed what? <laughs> Can you really, you know, go there? And, and just to think. Some... some some of you here today have not taken the next step of faith and been baptized because you're embarrassed. You know, can you really be a serious follower of Jesus and say that you're serious about having a relationship with him when you haven't done the very thing that he told us to do and follow his example of baptism? You know, and let me apply this another way. I, you know, I, I know people who claim to be followers. I know people who claim to be very serious about following Jesus. But you know what? They will not even rearrange their life in order to be able to come to church. For some of you today, your, your immediate next step in following Jesus just simply means prioritizing the things of God in your life and in your family and taking a good look at that. And what that looks like for you and what that looks like for your, follow, for your family. And, and for you, following Jesus may not mean, you know, fear of having your throat slit yet. But it might mean rearranging your work schedule so you can be a part of the church. And I'll say this because none of these people are here today. But it might also mean rearranging your ball schedule. Um, that's a, maybe that's a decision for you. I don't know. Don't get mad at me. Jesus is the one who said he's got to come first. Um, and that message, it makes us uncomfortable. That message Jesus said is a message that's going to be divisive. There's going to be some people that don't want it, don't like it, and they're going to want to negotiate it, and they're going to have an opinion about it. But he said, uh-uh. It's one way or another. There's no middle ground. There's no opinions. There's no negotiating. And Jesus knew it was going to be divisive. And it may even be divisive within your families. That's what he's saying. It's not being divisive in a fighting kind of way or argumentative kind of way. It's simply about allowing God. Will we allow God to truly be Lord over all things in our lives and all things in our families. He said, what? He said that he came not to bring peace, but he was going to create division. He said it's even going to end up separating some people in their own house. And he said, unless you love him more than you love your own family, you can't be his disciple. Wow. You know what he said and what he did for us should motivate us, right? It should motivate us to allow him to be Lord of our lives, to allow him to be Lord over our families and our church, right? Not just not just a part of our lives. You know, I, I can't imagine that Jesus ever thought, I'll go through what I went through. I'll go to the cross. I'll die for them. I'll do all of this just so that maybe I'll get a part of their lives on Sunday every once in a while. 
No, he wants to be Lord over all, in all, through all. And so that's his message. That's his challenge to us today. And it's not, it's not always easy. Don't kill the messenger, okay? I'm just sharing with you what he said. So let me pray with you this morning. God, I, I want to thank you for your powerful word uh, that you've given us today. And sometimes it's powerful and sometimes it's not pleasant. And God, it makes us think. It makes us, uh, makes us evaluate where we are and what we're doing and what's important and who's important. I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that still speaks to our lives. You've given us your Holy Spirit to, to, um, to help us, and sometimes the help we need is for the Holy Spirit to kind of shine his light over into that far corner of our heart and reveal something there that shouldn't be there. God, not only do you convict, but you also forgive. And so I pray that if any of us here today have put something before you or ahead of you, God, in my own life, I pray that you forgive me. I, I just I pray that, that we would understand what, what it is that you're trying to say to us here through your word today, that we would grasp that our relationship with you is more important to us than anything else that this world has to offer. And so, God, give us the wisdom, and not just the wisdom, but give us the courage to do what it is that you're speaking into our lives and into our church today. I, I pray that you'd find us faithful and obedient to the next step that each of us has in front of us to take. And again, thank you for your awesome love for us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be your kids, to be your children to carry your name and to represent you in this world. What a blessing. What a privilege. We love you so much. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. I love you guys. Have a great week.